One second, sorry, made a mistake. Since I got you standing, why don't we read the scripture? Because <laughs> I don't want to make you stand again, okay? <laughs> I'm going to read two scriptures today. Um, Acts chapter 2 is a very famous scripture, actually. As I just read, it is the birth of the church. Um, so I'm going to read the first four, uh, four verses and the last few verses. Acts chapter 2, verses 1 to 4. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a noise like a violent rushing wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And there appeared to them tongues as of fire distributing themselves, and they rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit was giving them utterances. Now I'm going to the, towards the last part of that passage or, or that chapter, reading from cha uh, verse 42 all the way to 47. They were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teachings and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone kept feeling a sense of awe and many wonders and signs were taking place through the apostles. And all those who had believed were together and had all things in common. And they began selling their property and possessions and were sharing them with all as anyone might have need. Day by day, continuing with one mind in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they were taking their meals together with gladness and sincerity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord was adding to their number day by day those who were being saved. This is the word of the Lord. Now you may be seated. <laughs> Once again, it's so good to see our um, next generation in this service today. Uh, very, very grateful for all of them and particularly their leaders. In such a time as this, very in it's actually incredible things are happening in our children's ministry department, which I'm really, really proud of. Uh, Amy Cruz, who you just saw here, uh, and uh, I don't know how to thank her enough. Such a time as this coming up, and they are developing a, they, our own curriculum for Rooted, for little kids. That doesn't exist, but we create. And, and that, that's kind of, uh, that's the kind of innovation that is awaiting in our pews and in our pulpit, in our leadership all around. And so I'm grateful for Amy and actually McKinsey and Wesley, I don't know how many of you know them, they have deep roots to this community. I mean, they're three or four generations. Actually, Wesley's uh, grandma was the secretary of Henry Hutchins, right? So she's still alive and she actually gives feedback to my sermon. She knows all the way from Henry Hutchins. So, so these are connected. Wesley and McKinsey are so connected to this church. So I'm not worried about them. If they mess up, I know their parents. I know their grandparents. Uh, so it's a good hold that I have on them, right? And then Dr. Nick Barrett, whom you saw, you didn't recognize. Dr. Nick Barrett is a freshly mint PhD from Fuller. He's a good friend of mine. It's a good friend of our church. 
who is actually coming to help us on an interim basis till we find the next intergenerational pastor, next gen, next gen pastor. So I'm very grateful for Nick, and uh, you will be seeing him again and again uh, in our uh, in. Uh, in our community. Actually, he has over 12 years of experience in working with the students' ministry, so I'm so, such a time as this. God is orchestrating all of this. Uh, I'm so very grateful. Now, uh, you know, 2021, Rose Parade got canceled because of pandemic. Uh, that day, I told Joanne, like, you know, always wanted to go to Rosparade. We, we went for one. It was the, the most terrible experience I ever had. So after that, we decided to watch on television um, every year. Uh, but 2021, I said, this is the time. This is a good time. They canceled the Rosparade. Why don't we do a prayer walk, you know, exactly at the same time, exactly at the same route of the Rosparade? So then we just, you know, we both decided it fast, then we just, we didn't want to mobilize this because it is, it was not appropriate for anybody to mobilize anything at that time. But then we talked to our friends about this and then a group of people joined and we were around 20 or 30 of us actually did a prayer parade on 2021 Ross Parade, exactly the same time, exactly the same route. In the end, we went to, we had a communion together. We were the only people on the street except some cars and all that, right? Like, you know, actually, um, I think one of the television crews were there. They, they interviewed us, you know, what in the world is happening? There's nobody on the street. There is this few group of people walking, you know, doing the actual, um, actual Ross Parade in, in some way, right? Um, but I believe some of this kind of incidents as silly or some simple, simplistic as we can look at it, I believe these are the kind of things we need for our cities as, as we are grieving for our cities. And I was particularly encouraged this time, Ross Parade, and did you notice that 2023 Ross Parade, the theme of the Ross Parade is, actually we have a poster of Ross Parade this year, uh, it is turning the corner, 2023. That, I thought, was very spiritually significant. The city has decided to turn the corner. We have also decided to turn the corner. Things have to change. This is a time of going back and looking at where we have been and turn this page and turn towards a new direction. And that was very encouraging. That kind of inspired me for this little short sermon. I try to make it short, actually, the, particularly the young people out there. And we have a baptism coming up, which is interesting. And this is the rooted day. But I want you to know that our friend Don Wood, some of you know him, he went to Pasadena Tournament of Roses and brought like 200 posters. He said, we should all have it in our house. So it's a beautiful poster, actually very expensive, like they made it nice. And so it's outside. If anybody wants that poster turning the corner, it's not a bad one to put in your bedroom or wherever. Actually, it is a, it's a very motivational kind of thing looking forward to, especially in the new year, right? So if you want it, it will be outside in the information desk. Now, the scripture we read today, Acts chapter 2, is actually an event which turned the corner for the church. In so many ways, you can say that the church before Acts chapter 2 
and after Acts chapter 2 are entirely different. Because before Acts chapter 2, what you see is a, a, a small group of around 120 people completely disillusioned after what happened after the death of Jesus Christ. And you look at the leadership, the senior pastor is the one who denied Christ. You know, a little girl came and asked the senior pastor, which is Peter, actually, and he said, I don't even know Jesus, right? That's the kind of leadership we have at that time for the church. And the treasurer actually betrayed Jesus. And people left. Most of the ministry council left at the time. Most of the, at the Gethsemane. They're hiding from the public. Now, if, I'm glad there was no pure research, or at that time, if pure research came and did a survey, that was the death of the church. The church almost literally died at that point. Then the Lord decided that the church needed an infusion of life. The church needs a resuscitation, which is we normally called revival. You probably heard the term revival. A revival is something like what happened during that Buffalo Bill, you know, that player. Uh, you know, we, he, his heart stopped right in the, in the middle of the game. He was not dead, but his heart stopped, a cardiac arrest. But then he was revived, right? And he's still going through this. But the point is that there has to be an infusion of life. It is almost like when somebody is nearly dying and you go and do mouth to mouth. It is revival is when God does mouth to mouth with his bride, which is the church. When the church has a cardiac arrest, the church is not dead, but the heart stopped. Then now God has to come and do a mouth to mouth. That's exactly what happened in Acts chapter 2. God did a mouth to mouth. Tongues of fire, wind blowing. That's how God does mouth to mouth. Heaven invading earth. That's what happened in Acts chapter 2. Now, I just want us to realize that at this point, what transformed the church from Acts chapter 2, the beginning to the end? That is what I'm going to look at in the next 10 or few minutes. So there's something that happened. Quite often when we talk about this revival, rooted is a revival. I have never experienced anything like this in any community. 22 years of full-time ministry in four different countries. I've never experienced what is happening at Lake Avenue Church right now. 1,100 people have signed up, almost 120 groups. I didn't even picture this. This is something like God doing mouth to mouth to Lake Avenue Church. And I'm very excited. But at the same time, we should not be just carried away by what is just happening. Sometimes part of this can be like what we call the FOMO. You know, it's a, it's a younger people's language, fear of missing out. A lot of people are now complaining. Pastor Matthew, I wanted to sign up for Rooted. There is the website is not working and there is not enough, enough, enough room in the groups and I, don't, I can't find that exact day, exact time. But I want you to know 
That this is our good complaint. This is the kind of complaints I want to receive, okay? Keep them coming. That's good. We are working on it. But the point, though, that how do we sustain this? How do we go from Acts chapter 2, the beginning, to the end? Now, that's the big question. We are always excited about that wind and the tongues of fire and the excitement. That's what revival often means to us. But what Rooted is trying to help us is to go to the end of the chapter, act, act chapter 2. Because that's where we see how that revival is sustained. How that progression from Acts chapter 2, the beginning to the end. And that will be the real challenge. It is not just about running a program. The, the real challenge is transitioning it and sustaining it. There are three things that happened in Acts chapter 2. So I just wanted to quickly run through it. The first one, when I read Acts chapter 2 verse 8, this is what happened, Acts chapter 2 verse 8. And how is it that we each hear them in our own language to which we were born? So you know what happened. There's something called other tongues. People started speaking in tongues. There are people from different parts of the world attending the various events at that time. And the disciples started uttering whatever the Lord gave them to speak. And everybody understood what they were saying. Now, this is what we call the other tongue. You must have heard of it. It's a controversial gift from the Holy Spirit, the other tongue. For the time being, I want us to notice that the other tongue is about speaking in others' tongue. It is not just about us speaking in some foreign language and, 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 and seeing what a spectacular, what a spectacle it is. But what happened on that day is that everybody kind of understood everybody else, even though they had different languages, different ethnicities, different ideologies, they all spoke the same language. So the first thing I want to take, take away from that, apart from the manifestation of the Holy Spirit, is that church received a sensitivity to communicate in others' tongues. Not just in other tongues, in others' tongue. Does that make sense? You know, today, if you ask me, the, the, the real challenge in ministry is to speak the same language even among English-speaking people, on the same language people. So, for example, if I, if I use the word justice, <laughs> if I just say the word justice, Immediately, I can, I can see people going all over, suddenly the guards up. It, depending on how you approach that word. The word is the same. We all speak English, but that word has different connotation. Right? And I remember, and now I'm seeing all of these young people. I, I just remembered a, a time in my life, I was a young youth ministry pastor tw 22 years ago. We all start, you know, from high school ministry and all that. And this is, you know, I was in my early 30s, and I'm going to this job as my first ministry job as the, uh, as, the, as the youth pastor, yes, as the youth pastor. And my problem is that I'm not good at music. I can't sing. I can't play any instrument. And I'm not good at sports except cricket. Nobody understands cricket, and this is in Canada. <laughs> so I was completely lost. If you can't sing, if you have no uh, background in music or sports, you are completely lost with the young people. 
So I thought, man, I, can, I need to get into their head somehow. I need to, I need to hang out with them somehow. Something I was very good at, at, the, at that time, I used to work in, the film, in many film projects, and I was very good in video, video production. So 22 years ago, there was no iPhone. There was, you really need to know what you're doing. You know, you had to really use a camcorder to record the events and transfer into the computer, and you have sophisticated program. Not a lot of people knew at the time. And then I would edit it, and actually for creating a five-minute video, I, I actually spent almost 50 hours, billable hours, and I created this amazing video, and I put it out there for my youth group. And I remember they were all stunned. And uh, first group, you know, first a group of young guys came in and said, Pastor Matthew, this is cool. This is cool. You know, I'm like, wow, okay. I, I think they liked it. That's what they mean. This is cool. And then, then, then a group of young girls came in. And they're like, Pastor Matthew, this is hot. This is hot. I'm like, so I'm a fresh off the board immigrant at the time. And the part of the world I'm coming from, cool and hot means completely different things. <laughs> it is diametrically opposite. But then it took a while for me to realize that it, it means the same in their vocabulary. Does that make sense? What I'm saying is that if you don't learn the language of the culture, if you don't learn the language of the generation, it doesn't matter how much we pray and prepare. Learning the language, the sensitivity to communicate in others' tongue is what the Holy Spirit gives. And then another thing happened. I'm going to the... Second point, very quickly, and here we have um, chapter 2, verse 36, I'm going to read. So Peter, I just said, the senior pastor who basically denied Christ, he chickened out from everything. He was, you know, he was kind of hiding up until that time. Then after this happened, he stood up and gave this absolutely incredible long sermon. Okay, about Jesus, about the salvation he brings. He was sharing his story. He was sharing everybody's story. And this is how he ends his sermon. Acts chapter 2, verse 36. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. The end. That's how he ended his sermon. This Jesus, whom you crucified, Peter is literally pointing his finger at the very people who crucified Jesus. And you, I'm calling out, you did this to my master. This Jesus, whom you crucified, the same Peter who just literally chickened out in front of a little girl, servant girl. He stood up and said that you crucified my master. The courage to confront the sin of the society and the individuals. Now that's the second thing the Holy Spirit gives. The courage to confront the sin. And we often think that, oh, you know, we should kind of try to water it down. Don't be so upfront about some of this stuff. And no, that's not what the world wants. And believe me, I'm, I'm, I've been doing this evangelism for a long time. People really want us to be authentic. If you try to kind of, oh, you know what, you know, no, we don't exactly mean that. They don't believe you. It's okay to tell them what you actually think as long as you learn the language. 
You need to speak in their language, but then be authentic about it. And this is what I believe. And they will appreciate you for saying that. Again, the language comes first. And what happened? 3,000 people joined the church. One day, one sermon, 3,000 people. From 120 to 3,120. And that's how the church, see, the church doesn't grow. I want you to remember that we are all wondering about church growth. Church doesn't grow. Church multiplies. Church, you know, we, we are creating church growth strategies and how to, you know, that's what the Pew Research and all, the, they, they project it on a curve and, you know, because this is the historical data. Based on the historical data, this is the, no. When God does mouth to mouth, he doesn't care about your statistics. He doesn't care about the history. There is going to be multiplication, but growth. But the provided that you learn the language and you speak authentically with courage and the Holy Spirit will grow the church. Third one, very quickly. Here, the verse 44 and 45, we already read. And all those who had believed were together and had all things in common. And they began selling their property and possessions and were sharing them with all as anyone might have need. They sold their houses. They sold their cars. They sold all their property, all their belonging, and brought it to the pastors. And the pastors decided who will get what. This is exactly how we are going to balance the budget this year, okay? <laughs> I am willing to sell everything I have too. All I have is a motorcycle. So it's very easy for me. <laughs> now what really happened there is, there is an intense desire to live out their message. That's what happened. The Holy Spirit didn't exactly ask them to do it, but they decided to do it, and God went with it. And as the culture evolved, obviously, if, even if we want to do something like that, IRS will not permit us to do like that. That becomes a cult, and that is a serious accounting problems in our government. So we cannot do that. That's not exactly a model that we needed to follow. But the lesson we have to take from that is there was an intentional desire, a determination to model the message, a determination to live out the message they were, they were preaching. Now that's what sustained the revival. That's what took them from Acts chapter 2, the beginning, all the way to the end. Sensitivity, sensitivity to communicate other people's other tongue and courage to confront the sin and determination to model the message. Now let that be where we are rooted. Otherwise, it will become another spectacle. Another one of these revivals we talk about, and we need to come all the way to the end. And I'm going to show you a picture, uh, the next, which is, uh, comes from Rooted Book. Uh, they, so these are Acts chapter 2, verses 42 to 47, and in between one more verse there. So these are called Seven Rhythms of Discipleship. And Rooted is founded on this. This is the epictorial exegesis of that passage we read anyway. 
This is what we are going to practice as a church community. All that things is there, right? All the way from, if you have rooted book, if you don't have, there might be still some copies outside. All of this are available here in this book. And I want you to go home and, and pray through this and work through this. See, what in some way made me decide on going with this curriculum is that it is not just exactly the content itself. Now, the Rooted team asked me not to say this kind of stuff, but I'm going to say it anyway. I'm the senior pastor. I can say whatever I want. So, <laughs> I, I don't necessarily think this is the most theologically sound curriculum. I might even, in my opinion, I have thought about this, that I could have done a better job with this. You know, that's me. <laughs> uh, at some point, I found it a little simplistic in some way. But the reality of it is, God gave me a picture. Actually, I shared it with the Rooted Pilot Group. You know, when I was a little kid in India, your age, or you know, maybe an elementary school kid, and you know, one of the things that I used to do, and some of our friends will get together and do, we will create these homemade projectors. To, we love watching movies. And so we, we create this homemade projector. So we will go to some of these movie theaters. Then This is back in the days. They have celluloid films, and they cut, and we get this scrap celluloid films, and we bring it home, and we cut it to different film pieces, and we put a box, and on one side, we will put this little, uh, you know, film, and, on, and we, don't, we can't afford to have a lens. You know, this is... I don't know, 40 years ago in India. And so we will put this, you know, bulb, we will open the open an electric bulb and fill it with water, which will act as a lens, actually. So we'll have lens, so we have film. Now what we want is a source of light. Obviously, we can't afford most of the houses in India at that time didn't even have electricity. So what we will do is, so we will we, we use the sunlight. We want something to direct the sunlight to this bulb, and from that, you know, the light will go to the film, and then it will be projected on the screen. That's amazing, you know, back in the days, right? So uh, we remember, so we always, somebody, we, we set this up in a dark room, and people will come to watch this beautiful image being projected on the screen, and there is always one guy standing outside under the, in the sun light and his job is to use a mirror and he he deflects he he kind of uses that mirror and position it in angle so that that ray of light will be focused you know reflected on the mirror and focused exactly on that bulb and which will actually magnify the film and project it on the screen and we would now not, you know, our parents won't allow us to use our real mirror. So we'll, we'll again, uh, you know, scavenge and, and find some broken mirrors from the street and use that to, 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 to deflect the, uh, the, the, the sunlight to this projector, right? So the picture I, I had about Rooted was, it's a broken mirror, right? No curriculum is perfect. No small group curriculum is, is perfect. Every book has theological issues. But at this point in time, God is going to use a broken mirror to focus his strength and power to that exact box we have created so that that will be animated and that will, be, that will create a miracle on the wall, right? So rooted in some way is a broken mirror. I want all of us to take it that way, 
but remember that we are going to do something together which we haven't done in a long time. And this is also our opportunity to, you know, one of the, another thing which excited me about Rooted is that this is a curriculum that comes from Africa. Normally, this kind of theological stuff or you know, small group curriculums are designed in America and exported into the rest of the world. This is one curriculum which started in Africa and coming to America. Now what that means is that one of the beautiful things about this is that in the rest of the world, faith is more experiential than cognitive. Like in America, in the Western thinking, and I'm part of it, we rationalize faith. Our, our faith has a cognitive framework. And in that process, sometimes we lose the experiential side of it. And this is a good wake-up call, which is coming from another part of the world. So we want, our, we want to make our faith a little more experiential, to, to really feel when God does mouth-to-mouth with us. Okay, and another thing, one more thing I wanted to say is that this is going to be not just sitting, a group of people sitting around and studying book, which is what normally small group curriculums are, right? We get together, we talk about what we read last week, and then let's talk about what pastor preached, and we talk about it, and we just leave. Now, this has very clear rhythms, particularly three practical aspects built into it. One, it comes with a daily devotion. Five days of a week, we all read the same thing together. So we talk about that in our meeting. And then we have a day of prayer, not just this Lake Avenue day of prayer, a specific day of prayer for the rooted group. That's exciting. And then there, even more exciting is there is a day of serving. All the rooted group come together. We do a lot of community projects together. Now that is what is going to help us from taking faith from this cognitive to experiential level, to make it more practical, to feel God working in our life. So, all that being said, if some of you couldn't sign up for Rooted, that's okay. There is still some places left. There is still some room left in some group. That's fine. If you couldn't do it, you can still join us. You know, try to join us, take the book and read it. But more importantly, we have one more rooted coming. We have many more rooted coming after this, okay? So if you miss the board on this, don't worry about it. We will do rooted groups again. So this will be a continuing thing. This will be part of our discipleship uh, process, our discipleship journey. We will continue. So now that being said, this is our chance to really live out the gospel, live out, model the message we have been preaching. What a better way to do that, do that than baptism. Because baptism is where we just declare that this is what we believe, that we believe that Jesus died for my sins, and he, as he resurrected, I am also coming out at new alive and new, a new creation in Christ. So we have, Nishisaki family have been such an integral part of this church. Maddie, you know, you know we all, most of you know her from, from little girl to, this is an exciting moment, not only for them, for all of us. But I also want you to know that baptism will be coming up all the way at the end of the route. So if anybody is interested in receiving that sacrament, in being baptized with Christ, this is the time to let us know about that. So let's enjoy this moment before I come up and close.